You're listening to Source with Stu Finer. Ready to roll, ready to roll, ready to roll, ready to roll, ready to roll. Source with Stu Finer, podcast number 35. And we're going to talk today about betting basketball college and pro basketball. And there's so many opportunities to bet right now. And we're not even talking about live betting or in-game betting or quarter betting or props. We're talking specifically the game in its entirety. So you have anywhere between, let's say, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 NBA games a night. Sides in total, so 30-plus games. College basketball could be 30, 40, 50 games. Sides in totals could be 60, 100, 120, 150 sides in totals. Talking about Saturday where there could be 100 college basketball games on the card. So how in God's name, Stu, do I make money? Stu, you give out certain times, six games, eight games, 10 games, four games a night. What am I supposed to do with my bankroll? How do I win betting basketball? Now, I'm not talking about action, Stu. I'm not talking about when you're going to give out four, six, eight, ten 10 games where most of them are just for fun. Most of them are just for action. Most of them are just to have a good time, watch the games, have positions on different games. So you're involved with the action. Notwithstanding in-game betting, prop betting, player betting, quarter betting, individual betting on individual players, individual circumstances. I'm talking the entire game. Well, always, as I've preached, the minimum amount of games you bet, the better you are. So if you're going to bet one best bet in NBA a night, one best bet in college basketball a night, you're going to bet two games a night, absolute maximum. Absolute maximum. And if you could get so finite, so specific, putting your all, all your eggs in one basket, so to speak, if you could narrow it down to seven bets a week, that would be the best case scenario. And if you're really talking about just making money now, just making money, hardcore, just making money, life or death, no bullshit, cold as ice, you don't need to bet every single night. So if you can get it down to one best bet a night, that would be best case scenario, seven games a week. And of course, it takes a lot of discipline and a course it's not as fun but if you're looking to make money you have to narrow the amount of games you're betting down because you absolutely can get fucking killed i mean you can get absolutely destroyed absolutely torched and why do you want to do that now i've seen my son i've seen other people be involved with 20, 30, 40 bets a night. 
They have small positions in everything from player props to first quarters to first half to live betting to hedging. And that's pretty much for fun. That is fun. That is not the way to make money. It's absolutely impossible to make money exposing yourself to more than 14 games a week. Really should be seven games a week. If you do five games a week, that's even better. You maximize your profit. You minimize your risk. Professional gamblers, that's what they do. They do not spray the board. They do not bet the board. They do not bet best bets every single night. That is a fallacy. That is a lie. That is an untruth. That is not nor ever what happens. The way to make money betting always is to maximize your profit, minimize your risk, hammer, hammer, hammer the all-in max best bets. Whatever you specifically indicate that, this is my best bet of the week. No matter what, I love it. I love it. I love it. That's the game you want to hammer. And leave everything else alone. And again, very hard to do. Very hard to identify the strength of games. Obviously, a tremendous advantage paying me because I identified that for you. So that let's say you're going to just blindly trust me. Just blindly trust me. Just do whatever the fuck I say. If I say, take your wife out of the house right now, get her on her knees and lick my ass and eat my cum, swallow it whole, say I'm the best fuck ever, which she doesn't have to say shit because I am. I, you know, 8% of you have already fucked your girl or your wife. But getting back on point, if you've trusted me unconditionally, much easier because I'm identifying it. Whether I win or lose is not the point. The point is you want to maximize your bets. You want to go all in on as little exposed games a week as possible or forever as possible. So you probably, out of all the games during a week, out of the hundreds and 300 and 500 positions you could have during a week, you want to just load up on identifying three, four, five of your best bets for the whole week. And that's how you make money. And that is the only system that will ever allow you to make money. Forget it, how you're picking the games. Let's take that out of the equation. Team A is playing Team B hundreds of times during a seven-day cycle, 500 times. So you have to, first of all, narrow down the strength of your games down to the most important games of the week, the strongest games of the week that you like. Not talking about picking a favorite, not talking about picking an underdog, not talking about picking an over or an under, not talking about going against the grain, against the public, being on the public, not talking about reverse line moves, not talking about any of that. You have to first identify how are you going to say this is a best bet that has to be bet and this is a best bet but not as strong and have to pass because that's the key to winning gambling. Because the more games you bet, the more you're exposed, the more you have vig, the more trouble you're going to create for yourself. So when you're talking about cold and calculated how to make money, 
before you even figure out who's going to pick your games and how to pick the games or is how many games you're going to bet a week and identify the strongest games. And you got to just stick with that system. It's worked for me for 36 years. I might advertise 70 to 350 games a week and only bet three games a week. Only bet two games a week. Only bet five games a week. Only bet seven games a week. So in other words, never be in a rush to make a bet. If you miss a game, there's going to be another one coming. One game is never so significant that should make or break you at all. You know, you might want to bet it for the fun of it, for the experience of it, for the novelty of it, for the hype of it, for the intensity. So it could get your attention, of course. But as far as making money, doesn't matter if it's a Super Bowl or a college basketball game at the beginning of November. Doesn't matter if it's New England at home against San Diego, and then you say you wanted to bet New England, but you didn't, and then you watch New England take apart San Diego, or Kansas City against Indianapolis, where you're like, well, Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life. He does things that no one can do. I really want to bet on him. Well, that's different. What we're talking about is cold and calculated. How do you make money betting basketball? How do you survive betting basketball? How do I not bet every single game on the card? How do I not bet the games I personally root for, my TV games? I know a friend on the team. I know a coach on the team. I know a cheerleader on the team. My mother's friend's mother goes there, blah, 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 blah. There's always an excuse to bet a game but not to make money. So again, the least amount of games that you bet will be your best position to make money. And that's how you have to stick with it. And that's what you want to do. Ari Gold, Ari, uh, I have a dog living in the house. It's a daughter. Wow. A year ago, there is no way on God's name, if it meant getting rid of all the kids and my wife, I would get rid of them before I say I'm having a dog. I've had pets. I've had dogs. Um, both died of cancer. First dog was named Schnapsy. It was a Beagle Terrier. We got that in like 1971. We moved. Well, my, I was born in Manhattan Beach, Brooklyn. And in my mommy's hospital, and then we moved from Manhattan Beach to Sheepshead Bay, from Sheepshead Bay to Fred Trump's Beach Haven Apartments. It was like 26-story buildings called Beach Haven Apartments on Ocean Parkway and Avenue X, right off the Bill Parkway. You could actually see them. When you get off the exit for Ocean Parkway, it's directly on your right side. It's six-story brick apartment buildings. I was in apartment 6D. It was owned by Donald Trump, El Presidente, the president. His daddy, Fred Trump, owned property, was a landlord. And we lived in one of his buildings. 2662 West 2nd Street. So in Manhattan Beach, we were there until I was like two years old and then two to five, Sheepshead Bay, and then right before kindergarten to Beach Haven. Manhattan Beach, I had fish. I had turtles. 
sheepshead bay, I had fish, turtles, hamsters. 2662 West 2nd Street, the Beach Haven apartment, apartment 6D. I had fish, turtles, hamsters, and then I killed all the fish. Me and my brother thought the fish were hungry because the fish were coming up to the top of the water, and my dad taught me that always fed the fish. Me and my brother were young, four years old, three years old. Uh, he was a year younger than me, my brother. year and two months, born March 26th. 1962. I was born January 31st, 1961. Uh, famous birthday, obviously, PFT, Phil Collins, Craig Carton, January 31st, upcoming, ready to roll. So, basically, we put peanut butter and jelly, my brother and I, in the fish tank, killing you know, like a legit, like, I don't remember, it was giant fish tank at the time. I think like a hundred gallon tank. And at the time that was like as big as a city block. And it had every trick. It had all sorts of sand at the bottom, different colors. It had the scuba diver with bubbles coming out of its like head. It had all sorts of different fish, catfish eating the shit at the bottom. But it had all these beautiful fish. I don't remember what they were, but they were different colors and they were gorgeous. And they were swimming to the top. So me and my brother made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and put it in the fish tank. Mom and dad went out. They came home. We got beat. And that was the end of fish. So we had hamsters and turtles. We moved in 1972. Farmingdale, well, really, North, Farmingdale School District. Went to Woodward Parkway, went to Howard, went to Farmingdale High School. But it was North Massapequa. It was really odd. They were called the Viceroy Homes. It was one way in, one way out. It was 430 homes in a giant circle with like 12 blocks cutting down the sides. You know, you come in, make a left, then make another left, 12 blocks. And we lived on the second to last Abbott Street. You made a left, second house on the right. My father got a dog, a Beagle Terrier called Schnapsy. And it was uh, white, light brown, Gorgeous looking, eventually died. And then we got uh, parakeets and birds, but I wasn't really involved with that. And then when I owned my own house, uh, I got a pug and we named it Pugsley. And again, got cancer, died, and then we had no pets. And I told the kids we're not having pets because, you know, I, you know, when you have a puppy, you know what it is. You know, first six months, total nightmare, bites everything. I said, I'm never getting a dog, but... They finally wore me down. They went to the dog shelter, which I pitched the dog shelter emphatically very hard because it is such a sad motherfucking place because, you know, like they got dogs there five, four, three, six, seven years in crates. No one ever claimed them. They don't kill them. But what the quality of life is like, you know, nothing legit in a fucking crate eating bare minimum. Everyone's skinny you know, super skinny, because you're not getting heavy at a fucking shelter, an animal shelter. You know, years ago, they fucking killed it, the animals. Now they just feed them, keep them in crates. So my 23-year-old and my 19-year-old went there, and they picked out a boxer. And there was different types of combos that the boxer were, but they came home saying it was a boxer terrier, 
My wife immediately said and looked at it and said, I don't give a fuck what they're saying. That's a pit bull. So I guess there is part pit bull in the dog. And they brought home a boxer terrier. And one of the combos probably is down the line, or I don't know how early Pitbull, but it's a drop-dead gorgeous dog. Ari, like Ari Gold in Entourage, Jeremy Piven. Ari, Aria, like from Game of Thrones, one of the main characters. Aria, A-R-Y-A. Aria, and... Beautiful, light brown, dark brown, so good looking. His ears are like chocolate brown and around his eyes and nose is some chocolate brown, but then there's light brown and brown eyes and long and lean and his paws are big. And when he scratches her, when she, excuse me, I keep saying he, when she scratches herself, she's been spayed already. So when she scratches herself, She's not coordinated enough to scratch herself, and she almost like falls. It's so cute. But the dog, it looks like, you know, looks like a greyhound. It's very lean, very, very long. And um, we got it two months old. Beautiful tail, long tail. And just an exceptionally well-behaved puppy. And of course, it's she's biting everything. She's biting our feet. She's biting our arms after licking them and her hand, our hands. And she has super razor sharp teeth, like a piranha. I mean, super sharp teeth. And, you know, puppies will gnaw for up to six months on everything. Anything and everything. So now we're in the process of training her, which obviously is not easy. You know, she's peed on the floor a lot. And uh, she pooped once. But for the most part, you know, been very well behaved, hasn't shredded anything or ripped anything, but that's because we have not let her alone in the house alone. She's off a leash, walking around on the first floor. I guess it's like 2,000 square feet, but we only allow her pretty much to go into like 800 square feet, 700 square feet. So she does have plenty of room. She's sleeping on the couch right now with my 23-year-old and my 19-year-old. They're rotating. I wake up every morning at like 5.30 and they're on the couch and it's so adorable. And the dog, um, Aria, is on either Ryan or John's belly. So cute. And then I'm quiet. And then eventually the dog hears me and she wakes up and then I walk her and she pees and poops and then either Ryan or John will feed her and then she immediately has to pee, pee a poop again 15 minutes later and then the day starts and she's so funny we got like five or six chew toys we have a bed for her we also have like a little like um I guess like a cloth box that she could stay in and I guess when we're trying to discipline it we'll put her in there to just calm her down. Uh, we don't want her on a leash, so we want her to walk around and everything, so we got a trainer, and then we got a big backyard, so she's running around out the backyard. Um, so she gets her final shots the 22nd of January, and we were told for the first four months, so it's probably another, whatever, uh, six weeks, give or take, that they only said to keep her outside sparingly, you know, sparingly, like 10 minutes. Uh, they don't want her outside for the first four months. 
and, uh, you know, not around anything, including really, you know, other people, but, you know, that's not actually happening. So, you know, people are coming in and out of the house, no pets, no dogs. And then she's not outside for a long time at all. So she's pooping outside and peeing outside. I'm cleaning the poop. Not really a bad deal, but my 27 year old Alex who runs the place, um, and he's on the website and does the website and does the social media. And my wife said they weren't going to participate at all with the dog, but they've fallen both in love with the dog. And, you know, to see her is to love her because like, she's got this fake little teeny cute face. It's tiny, her face, but the dog is long. So, you know, it's, she's going to be big. She's going to be, it's, I mean, you know, like I'm guessing I have no idea. So let me preface it that, but you know, I mean, she's got potential. Her legs are long. She hasn't really, she's over two months old and she hasn't really grown, like coordinated her legs. That's how long she's going to be. So I'm guessing better part of 60, 70, 80 pounds. Now, could she be 50, 40, 30? Yeah, I guess so. But I don't think so. I think she'll be upwards of over 50, which means she's going to be a pretty big dog. I mean, not hundreds of pounds. And anytime we talked about a dog, we were considering French Bulldog, another pug, but something small. So this is bigger than we wanted, but she's so darn cute. And my my wife just walked the dog for the first time in the backyard. And the dog got disciplined because she was biting my wife's hands and she wouldn't stop. And my wife was, after about five minutes, she's like, can we, you know, is she okay? Can we go see the dog? So... You know, the dog really has won over the entire family. And as you know, uh, the people that have dogs, you know, you, you know, your dog is is your entire family, really. I mean, everything really, you know, is, is about the dog, for that matter. Otherwise, it really doesn't work because it's like an intrusion on your life. She's imposing. You know, every time she smells something and she has to be, she's very needy, especially the first six months, and she's going to bite everything and she has to be played with. Um, she does sleep a lot, and thank God she loves the couch. So she sleeps a lot on the couch. And for the first four months, we're going to listen. We're not going to let her run in the backyard. But once she could run, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have to get, like, an electrified fence, so, you know, one of those uh, collars you put on and teach the dog not to go because we're on a main road. So if she ever gets out and ever gets in front of the house and runs onto the street, she's going to be dead because cars go you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 miles an hour certain times. So, you know, one mistake and you're dead. It isn't like, wow, you know, the, 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 the fucking, I'm telling you right now, there's no room. The ca cars in front of my house, if they're going 40, 50 miles an hour, have no real, they have nowhere to go. So in other words, they're going to hit the fucking dog and kill it. So got to be very careful. The front of the, the house now, there's a fence but the dog can, act, can get through the fence. You know, it's not one of those uh, solid fences. So um, it has to be trained right, the dog. But we don't have to really cross that because anytime it's outside, it's on a leash right now. Anytime it's outside, it's on a leash. Inside, obviously no leash. But anytime outside on a leash, and uh, I'm going to have to figure out what to do when that time comes. But I got it like a month before it happens. So, but... Everybody loves the dog. The dog is so cute. I love it. And even though, you know, it's changed our lives forever, you know, upside down, um, 
I obviously well worth it because you got to love your dog. I mean, the dog makes the whole family together. It's like a whole, you know, <laughs> everybody loves the dog now. Dog's walking around. She's so tiny, you know. And as you know, they, they don't stay tiny for long. You know, like within a month or two, the dog doubles <laughs> in size, you know, and then it gets to be like, a, you know, she's going to be, you know, a woman, you know, big, burly. So very excited, very, very excited. And everyone that has a dog knows the feeling. You just, you know, you love your fucking dog. I mean, there's no two ways about it. There's no issue about it. I just want to hug it out with the dog every day. So you'll be seeing uh, new merchandise we're going to have. Well, we're going to make Aria ready-to-roll clothing, doggy clothing. We're obviously coming out with a doggy blanket. And then doggy clothes, doggy mittens, doggy hats, so on and so forth. Doggy shirts, doggy tank tops, doggy sweaters, doggy posters. So there'll be a lot of things of Aria that you'll be able to purchase and hang out with. And um, basically we're ready to roll. So I'm excited for the dog. And, you know, every, like I was thinking in my head, I'm like, well, at this stage of my life, let me just, you know, I can afford it. You know what I'm saying? I got, you know, I, you know, I, I was thinking, let's, let's just get a great breeder. Let's buy from a breeder. But there's so many dogs that need homes. It's fucking sad. When my children came home from the dog pound, they're like, you know, the animal shelter. They're like, oh, there's dogs there. They've been there for seven years, six years, five years. And no one's going to take them then. You know, because nobody wants a five-year-old dog. You know, it's going to be there forever. You know, until it dies, very sad. So everybody wants puppies. So you can raise them and you can, you know, your family could get used to them from the jump street, from, from the word go. So, so sad, you know, tons of dogs. And every week, once a week, they bring in, they have puppies. And that's when everyone goes and then you buy a puppy. Very competitive, you know. You know, it's not that, it's not that much money, you know. Dog that, you know, dog that would cost four or five times the amount you get for dirt cheap, plus you're saving a dog's life and you're giving the dog a quality of life. So, you know, if you're ever going to get a dog, you have to go. I would suggest highly, I would even demand it. You have to go, you know, to a dog shelter and save a dog and give a dog quality life. You know, that's really the fucking bottom line. But otherwise, ready to roll, feeling good. I got to get, I, I weigh in tomorrow. I'm a fat fucking pig. You know, legit, smoked a couple of times. I'm trying to keep it down to a bare minimum. You know, I got young children in the house, bunch of degenerate pot smokers. It's a bad influence on me. It really is. Who would ever know that? And it is. It's like, get the bong out of my fucking face! I don't want to see the bong! Get it out of the garage! I don't care! Get it out of the garage! I don't want to see it. I don't want to smell it. Wait, wait a second. What do you mean it's great? How great? Let me smell it. How, how great is it? Let me smell it. And I'm trapped! So my food went from like 17, 1600 to 20, to 20, 2000, 2500, 3000, 4000, 5000, 8000, 10,000. And I'm talking calories a day. 
So I went from like 191 and a half. Now I'm like, God only knows, get away with myself tomorrow. I made the over under 200. I was going to go under, but I'm going over now because I know what I ate. It's disgusting. It's gross. It's gross! Because I'm stocked in the house right now. So I got Ruffles potato chips, which are arguably the greatest thing that's ever been invented. Crispy, salty, crunchy, addictive. Can't eat enough of. Even when you're sick, you just keep going until there's none left. You lick your fingers, you wash your fingers, you're all greased out, and you wish you had more. Then I have wheat thins, which is just absolutely incredible. Little, crunchy, light, does the trick cracker. Amazing. I have Triscuits. I have like four different types of pretzels. Pretzel nuggets, regular salted thin pretzels, hard salted pretzels, and then dark hard salted pretzels. I have Lay's potato chips along with the Ruffles potato chips. Then I have chocolate raisins. I have chocolate almonds. I got M&M's. I've got four types of protein bars. I've got five packs of gum. I got almonds with no chocolate on them. I got ice cream. I got three different types of bread. My wife made fried chicken cutlets, then she made me the grilled. I haven't tasted what the grilled tastes like, but the fried six in my mouth, all gone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, there's nothing better than my wife's fried chicken cutlets, plain and simple. They're the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Plain and simple about that fucking simple. So... I got to get back on track. I have to get the pot out of the house. But right now, Aria is ruling the day. I love Aria! Podcast number 35! Source with Stu Viner and iTunes and SoundCloud. Give us a good rating. Give us a like, you motherfuckers. Give us a like. Get me 10 likes. Let's go. Ready to roll. Ready to roll. StuFinder.com for the games. Be like Stu.com for the merchandise. <laughs>